Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. So in today's episode, what we're going to examine is a term we've talked quite a bit about so far this year, and that is recessions. But I'm not just going to bore you with recessions. We've already had episodes on that. We're going to talk in particular what a recession would mean to our banking system. Okay, this is a critical connection that uh, I probably don't even need to really underscore that. It goes without saying, but banks are really the bedrock of the American economy. It's where all of our money flows in and out of, both for consumers, corporations, even our government, all right, with treasuries going up for auction and so on and so forth. We rely on our banking system every single day, okay? So that is critical. I mean, if we go back to the Great Recession in 2008, that was the huge fear is could these banks hold up and who did we have to bail out okay if you remember that and if we go all the way back to the great depression that was where our banking system frankly collapsed okay and you had actual bank runs which thank god we have never had since then so we're going to talk about where we are right now uh recessions the likelihood thereof and then if we are to have a recession in 2023 how's the banking system going to do is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change is the only constant. Podcast. All right, so without further ado, let's get right into it. I'm going to give you a quick refresher on recessions, and, uh, and then you'll be able to tell, and maybe you can make your own guess as far as where we're headed. So if you don't recall from prior episodes, the National Bureau of Economic Research, which is the official scorekeeper for American recessions, defines a recession as, quote, a significant decline in economic activity that is spread across the economy and that lasts for more than a few months. Now, the normal people out there, all right, what you typically hear about in the uh, the, uh, media, I should say, is a recession is two consecutive quarters of falling GDP accompanied by rising unemployment, okay? So that's where there's been so much confusion, of course, this year is if you just look at GDP and you look at the first two quarters of 2022, a lot of people out there said, hey, we're already in a recession. You know, don't listen to what you're hearing out there. The recession's already here. Enough of the what-if scenarios. But the reason that technically that doesn't apply is, of course, the other metric, which is unemployment. So unemployment has been very sticky and that it has remained very low throughout the course of 2022. Just to provide some context as far as where we are right now, and I am airing this podcast on December 6, 2022. Let's take a look at the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics JOLTS report. And if you don't know what that is, that's the Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey, okay? So the JOLTS report shows that finally the employment or unemployment, I should say, is cooling, okay? And that's a relative term, which I'll get into in a minute. So as of October, there were 1.7 job openings per eligible worker, okay? Now, why I say that it's actually cooling is if we just rewind the clock to April of this year, that ratio is actually two job openings per every available worker, okay? That was where we really hit that peak where employers out there, small businesses out there were saying, where the heck are all the employees? We need folks to come in here and start working. 
all right? And why I said that that's relative is if we go to right before the coronavirus pandemic began, that ratio was 0.6 job openings per available worker, okay? Naturally, that would imply a time where there was competition, all right? More people had to fight for less jobs that were available. Whereas as of late in 2022, of course, that script has been flipped where we're seeing, uh, you know, jobs, uh, employers out there, you know, asking, trying to give away jobs, trying to find work, begging for employees. So that that right there, guys, is what is kind of giving the Fed that ammunition to say, hey, inflation's here. We all know that. And we have the ability to keep raising interest rates because the labor market is so darn tight. It's not like people are out there struggling to find work. And just to add a little more color to that statement, the November jobs report from the Labor Department showed that our economy added 263,000 jobs, okay, where the uh, anticipated number was actually 200,000, all right? So even still, with everything going on with Fed raising interest rates drastically over the past six months, we're still seeing the economy, you know, adding jobs at a, a decent clip. However, where I can say that it's cooling again is if we look at all of 2022, the average uh, job generation for each month has been 392,000 jobs per month since the beginning of the year. Okay, so again, we got to keep things relative. So you could say that it's finally starting to cool. Um, however, unemployment is still staying right at 3.7 percent, all right, which is a very low figure. So this is where you're starting to hear, you know, that uh, if you listen and you watch the stock market and you hear some of these talking heads say, uh-oh, more good news is bad news, that's why, you know, we want low unemployment, okay? We want to have more jobs created every month. However, when we see that, again, that's giving the Fed some comfort to say, hey, this economy is fairly strong and it can deal with another interest rate hike, which of course the stock market and also the bond market does not appreciate. Okay, so that's where investors are paying very close mind to those those figures. So why did the stock market go up a lot in November then? Because one, we keep things relative. So you could say those numbers, yes, they're still impressive, but they're starting to slow. And then the more important thing, of course, is inflation, which is what the Fed's, you know, attacking or targeting. So according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis, the PCE index which is the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. Again, that comes from the business side, uh, where the CPI, the other one you hear, is from the consumer side. Nevertheless, the PCE index was 6% in October, year over year, whereas it was 6.3% in September. All right, so that's the first time this year that we saw that number go down, which is what had everybody jumping for joy, saying inflation is finally slowing, And so in theory, the Fed can relax a little bit on the raising the interest rates and we can get the stock market back on its feet again. Okay, so remember, there's a tension there. We have inflation that we want to come down. And then we also have unemployment, which as silly as it sounds, it's almost like you want the Fed to see it going up so that they pump the brakes a little on their rate hikes. But that's where the little tug of war is going on right now, uh, kind of governing what the Fed's going to do and then spilling over to what the stock market says. But with all of that said, we've had enough talks on recessions, inflation, all that stuff. 
let's talk about our banking system. Okay, so let's segue over to the banks. And in particular, if things do get worse, if the economy does roll over into a recession, what will happen to our banks, all right, the holders of all of our money? So fortunately, every year, at least since the uh, Great Recession 2008, the Fed Reserve conducts what are called stress tests to see how would large banks fare if there were to be a recession. All right, so the Fed tests 33 banks. These are your very large, you know, big name banks that are truly the bedrock of our economy. And of those 33, eight of the banks are actually considered global systemically important banks. All right, those are the biggest of the big, the enormous banks out there where if one of them was to go under, it could have a ripple effect through the entire world economy that could be very, very adverse. Okay. So in these stress tests, what the Fed Reserve does is they assume an adverse or a severely adverse scenario. And the way that they would define that right now in today's day and age, the way to stress test, they assume a few factors. Number one, they assume that unemployment were to peak at 10% by the third quarter of 2023. Again, right now it's at 3.7%. They assume that real GDP were to decline more than 3.5% from the fourth quarter of 2021 to the first quarter of 2023. And along with those, they also assume steep declines in the stock market, the bond market, and the real estate market. Okay, so essentially they throw together this Armageddon scenario throughout the economy, and then they say, let's see how these banks are going to fare. So you're probably wondering right now, you know, just tell me what the answer is. You're starting to freak me out. So this year's stress tests show that the banks have sufficient capital to absorb losses and continue lending. All right, in essence, they pass the test, all right, all 33. And I don't want to say that they passed with flying colors, but as you'll see in a moment, they did quite well. Okay, so that should give uh, you know everybody a little comfort there. So how exactly did they do well? Let me talk about that for a minute. The main thing that these stress tests are looking at is what's called equity tier one capital ratios. Okay, what that is is core equity capital compared with the total risk-weighted assets of the bank. All right, I know those are some confusing terms there, what you want to take away is just that a higher ratio means a stronger bank and a low ratio, meaning that they have less core equity capital uh, compared to their risk weighted assets. That would imply that a financial shock um, you know, could really injure the bank and they may not be able to recover or continue lending, i.e. they would need a bailout in order to stay alive. Okay. So the minimum... Uh, ratio is 4.5%. That's the same for all banks in America. Okay. In addition to that 4.5% minimum, the, uh, the banking system requires a 2.5% stress capital buffer. Okay. That buffer can vary bank to bank. Um, but so right now we have 4.5 as the minimum. We have a 2.5% stress capital buffer. And then on top of that, there's a 1% surcharge for those eight global systemically important banks, okay? So if we add those all up, that gives us a ratio or a target of 8%, okay? So the current ratio, as of the Fed Reserve's Banking Systems Conditions Report, that's a mouthful, 
in November of 2022 showed that in this uh, in this current environment, the ratio is 11.4%. Okay, so well above that 8%. That's a good thing. And now you're asking, well, tell me about that stress test. All right. Under the severely adverse scenario, the banks proved an average 9.7% after, okay, guys, after the severely adverse scenario. Okay, so still well above uh, that minimum that's required. So I know I threw out a lot of data here. Um, That's why I wanted this episode to be audio only. But we've gone through, just to kind of recap, what a recession is. You should be familiar, you know, if you listen to my program, you should be familiar with that so far this year. And again, inflation is starting to slow down. The labor market is starting to loosen up ever so slightly, but we have unemployment still very low, which is giving the Fed, you know, that that confidence to say you can deal with rate hikes. Okay. And so the stock market, of course, is trying to digest all of this information. But again, the connection I wanted to draw in today's program is our banking system, okay, which is so, so important. I can't stress that enough. No pun intended with all these stress tests. But that's the good news here is that our banks are by and large in fantastic shape. They're very well capitalized, okay, which means that they have a lot of strong assets on their books so that if things go well, great. If things hit the fan, of course, it's bad for the economy, but our life support, our banking system should do just fine, even in that Armageddon type of scenario. All right. I hope that that wasn't too confusing and or boring, um, but I think it's important. If you have to go back, this was a short episode and just give it a quick re-listen. I'd ask you to do so um, because this, guys, is really the crux of our American economy. Uh, and as they say, when America sneezes, you know, the world catches a cold. Um, it's it's so true. But I think that that should um, really give a lot of people out there some peace of mind to know that we have so many measures in place uh, to take care of what's really important. So with all of that said, I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. You just listened to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. Please do keep tuning in. Spread the good word. We have some awesome guests coming up on the docket here at the end of the year. And of course, my new book, What Should I Do With My Money? Economic Insights to Build Wealth Amid Chaos is now available for pre-order and it'll be coming out next February of 2023. So again, we'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Kaderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003. 
phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Hederna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.